Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1 through verse 12. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born, he asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men, asking them to come to see him. At this time, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother, Mary, were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Notice the way, the very opening of uh, this story, the tension that Matthew creates for us. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And what's the trouble here? Well, Jerusalem has a king at the time of Jesus' birth. Herod the Great was the king of the Jews. And so this creates immense conflict for us. But Matthew intentionally writes that the wise men were going around asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? And you can imagine as they were walking around and asking everyone in town, Where's the new king? Where's the new king? That people would be made unsettled. That they were walking around in the dominion of one king and asking about a new king. And I can picture it that as people are hearing this, that people decided that they would close their door, that they would close their window shutters and not uh, want to be associated with the wise men. I imagine that in the marketplace, word was just a buzz that people, that every thing that was on everyone's mouth was the wise men. These, this caravan of people that were walking around talking about a newborn king. Their arrival and their words were causing a ripple effect that was being felt throughout the entire city. You can hear people's conversations. What, we, we have a new king? What does, this, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for our people? What does this mean for our city? What does this mean for Herod? What will Rome do when they hear? We have a new king. And imagine someone having to come and carry this news to Herod, like trembling, walking into the palace and saying, Herod, the city is completely taken over by this news of a new king. I think Matthew beautifully crafts the story to create a decision moment for all of us. 
what do we do with the news of this new king? Will we be like the wise men and bring everything before this newborn king? Will we bow down and worship him? Will we acknowledge that, that Jesus really is who Israel has been longing for? Or will we, like Herod and many in Jerusalem, reject this new king? A little over a year ago, I was around the McKinley family, and I had heard uh, Pastor Khalid call his son Kingston Buddy Boy. And I didn't think much of it other than the fact that I, I, it just settled in my mind, and I thought maybe that it was something that, that friends and family and people just called Kingston, that it was kind of like a nickname for him that everyone had. And so at some point, I had turned to Kingston and I said, Hey, Buddy Boy! And Kingston looked at me with passion in his eyes and he said, I am not your buddy boy. <laughs> and, and in that moment, I realized, oh, that's a precious name for him. It came to find out that only Khalid, only Khalid called Kingston buddy boy. And so rightfully, there wasn't space and there isn't space in Kingston for anyone else but his dad to call him buddy boy. That name is precious and confined to just one relationship. In, in this space that, that Matthew writes for us, the tension that's on display is that during the reign of King Herod, Jesus was born. And, and this town ain't big enough for two kings. And what we find here is that, that Matthew's creating is that there's only space in our lives for one king. It's, it's King Jesus. And it's only King Jesus. That, that he alone gets that title and more importantly, that place in our lives as King Jesus. Will this be the one that gets our allegiance? Will, be, will, this, will he be the one that we love and that we serve and that we follow with all that we are? What I find so intriguing about this story is that, that Matthew tells for us is that, that, that Jerusalem was longing for a new king. Israel has been waiting and waiting and waiting for God to establish his reign among them. So you would think that, that the news that's, that's rippling through the city of a newborn king would, would stir the city with joy, that it would stir the city in, in this place of excitement and anticipation and says, the time is finally here. Our king is here. But what you read is this. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. Why were they so dis disturbed? Hadn't this been what they've been waiting for? Hasn't this what the city's been longing to hear in their streets? What I think what's taking place is they saw in the immediate what this meant. This meant turmoil. The news of a new king felt more like a threat and a point of instability to the city than it sounded like good news for them. 
And for a moment, see yourself as a resident of Jerusalem. W would you really be someone that, that hears the announcement of a new king and just respond publicly? Yeah, this is great news. Come on, everyone. Let's go start following this new king. But you know that that would take incredible courage to do that. But even if we thought this new king was going to be better than that tyrant Herod, would we really be the ones to publicly acknowledge this new king? Because what it might immediately hit our hearts is that we might start thinking, what's Rome going to think? What's Rome going to think if we start acknowledging a ruler that they didn't put in place? And so the immediate ramifications of following this new king was too daunting for Jerusalem. And because I, I imagine because of that, the city just decided that they'd rather keep things the way that they were. Because the idea of political instability completely unsettling the city, that held more weight in their hearts than the idea of embracing a deliverer. And let's be honest. There are some times we cut short the process of following the way Jesus is leading us because of what it might mean in the immediate. In my life, I try to have somewhat regular rhythm about every year or so of seeking out pastoral care in my own life. I have a counselor and pastor uh, relationship in my life where I go to him and uh, again, about every year or so, and just, just talk ministry, talk life, talk family. And, and every time before I go into those, those times, I always have a little lump in my throat. It's nervousness because I know what I'm stepping into is, has potential for completely unsettling my life, that I might have to work through and process things that I didn't even know were, were causing tension or conflict within me and relationships that I might have. And before I step into those meetings, I just, you know, sometimes think, why? Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I going through this process? Well, listen, I, I have found that sometimes following Jesus can create these points of disruption that on the immediate, we're not so sure that we want to go through. But but we pursue those spaces with Jesus because we know of the work that he longs to do in and through and around our lives. It's kind of like that, that moment that you decide that you're going to go clean like your garage or, or a closet or you know, a cupboard that you've been paying no attention to whatsoever. And that as you start taking things out, man, you take a step back and you realize in the process of, of cleaning this, I actually just made way more of a mess than, than I started off with here. But that process had to go through. You had to take everything out and everything had to be completely unsettled if things were gonna get fixed and put back in their right order. And listen, here's where I believe wisdom is at, that we find that Jesus is worth 
following. He is worth pursuing. You know, initially the wise men don't seem that wise as they walk around a city who already has a king and start asking where they can worship the new king. But, but the wisdom that resides here is that, that, that they believe that this king is worth following. This king is worth the disruption. This king is worth the unsettling. This king is worth that initial point of chaos and disruption because he's worthy. And there's actually a major point of, of irony here in Matthew chapter 2 because Magi likely were Persian astrologers. And so they probably wouldn't normally be the hero of the story in Scripture. And, and yet they, they show up ready, willing, with expensive gifts, with all that they are. And, and I mean, they bow down, they kneel before Jesus when they see him. And the irony on display is that when Herod calls together the, the, the religious leaders and he, and he asks them, hey, where's the Messiah to be born? There's a stunning statement that's on display here. And this, this, this stunning statement is that they knew, they knew where the Messiah would be born. They were able to tell Herod, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And, and though they had knowledge of where the Messiah would be born, they aren't pursuing him. Craig Kinnear in his commentary on the book of Matthew says this, but while the religious leaders know where the Messiah will be born, they do not join the Magi in their quest. These were the religious leaders, but they failed to act on their most critical biblical knowledge. And here, yet though, we see Gentiles, astrologers, these Persians, traveling miles upon miles to bring costly gifts to worship a king. And what you find that what Matthew is so often doing in a thread that is, is written through his gospel narrative is that the people that will respond to Jesus and hang out around him is stunning. If you give special attention to the types of people that follow Jesus or accept Jesus and his teachings in the book of Matthew, you'll see that it is the irreligious and it is the unimportant, the, the unexpected who gladly accept Jesus. And it is the religious leaders and the important figures like Herod and the religious leaders here in this story that reject him. The ones that should have known better are the ones that don't act on their most critical biblical knowledge. And, and listen, I, it's, for the original readers, it would be humbling and it would be challenging to see those that start embracing and accepting Jesus. But ultimately, for the reader, it would be really exciting and encouraging and life-giving to see those that are starting to follow Jesus. Because what it communicates to us, man, the door is open for me too. I can be someone that can pursue Jesus, that can find him here amongst me. God is making, God is making a point in pursuing the Magi. 
like make no mistake about it the the behavior of this star is strange somehow they're 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 in persia and there's a star that's able to lead them all the way to jerusalem and it's in jerusalem that they're walking around where's this king where's this king and then when they meet with herod and they find out that jesus is going to be in bethlehem then it then it tells us that after this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. And, and then it went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. <laughs> that somehow this star's moving around and directing their movements. And in this, you find the grace and the pursuit of God. He, he's, he's meeting the Magi where they're at. He's, he's speaking their language to them as astrologers. And even though for, for the Israelites, that would be outside the bounds of what it means to follow the Lord. Like in his grace, he, 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 he shows them something and they start pursuing him. But here's the thing is that God starts drawing them to himself. And what I love about the arc of this story is that they start by being guided by a star. They see Jesus and the story ends with God himself directly speaking to them. That when it was time to go home, that God spoke to them in a dream and said, don't go back to Herod. And again, on display here is, is man, the, the effort that God goes to, to reach humanity and draw humanity closer and closer to himself. And though it's tragic that, that the religious leaders were able to quote this scripture and not embrace it, it's still worth sitting on the scripture that they quote. This is what they tell Herod after they acknowledged that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come for you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. God came to be our shepherd, to guide us, to draw us closer to himself, to find that there is care and there's provision and, and that in, in his sight and that he watches over us. And though it's a process filled with change, and adjustment and reforming, we, we see that he is good. And, and like the wise men, we follow their act of, of worshiping and bowing down before this king. Matthew tells a beautiful story here, and in so doing, he teaches us that Jesus will change everything about our lives. He is a good shepherd, and he is worthy of us laying everything down before him. And so we bring everything to this newborn king because he is worthy of it all.